Richardson. Stopped by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Welcome back to another episode of That Sums It All Up with me, Alfie Steiner, and with Johnny Rosen, as always. We've not spoken for a while, but we thought we'd check in just before the Premier League comes back to our screens. We're very excited for all of that. So, Johnny, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. We've got quite a lot to discuss. I don't know everything we're going to be discussing. I'm kind of slightly in the dark, which I'm looking forward to. It might catch me off guard, get some quite wacky takes. Um, but everything's good, busy. It's a very nice morning actually here in London. The sun's shining and looking forward to the resumption of the Premier League, which will hopefully be prosperous for mm. Arsenal in the hunt for top four. How, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm like you, I'm, I'm, it's a nice morning up in Edinburgh. I'm very excited to leave my flat today as it's been a week of isolation um, after COVID infection, unfortunately. Um, so I'm very excited to get some fresh air and to get out of this flat for, for plenty, for several reasons. But yeah, no, I'm well. Like you, I'm also very excited to uh, see the resumption of the Premier League and, and see Arsenal back in action. And yeah, I mean, normally there's a... The um, the international break is kind of a quiet period in terms of Arsenal, but it's been a bit bit noisier this time out because of how many players have been in action and stuff like that. So, I mean, there are quite a few things that sort of gone on literally uh, yesterday, so Friday before before we're recording. The World Cup draw uh, happened yesterday uh, in Qatar, um, obviously. Uh, there's a whole other discussion to be had on on Qatar and the World Cup and why it's there. And I think we know why it's there, but it's there. And the World and, Cup and why Jermaine and why Jermaine Jenis was hosting the World Cup draw. I didn't watch it. Was he hosting in. the World Cup draw? Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. In Doha. Blimey. Interesting. Well, I'm sure he he uh, pocketed a pretty penny for that. Um, mm. And look, I mean. I don't know. There, are, there will be pundits and commentators, and like people have to do their jobs at the end of the day. So, I don't know. It's it's quite a difficult one to navigate in terms of moral, uh, moral, uh, you know, choices. But England, we'll start with because we're sort of England fans, I suppose. Come on, the England. They got drawn in a group with the USA. Iran, I think it was, and one of Scotland, Wales, or Ukraine. Um, so that marks out a very kind of uh, interesting, problematic in many ways kind of group. What were your first thoughts on that? I mean, in terms of football, like uh, England should be favourites, but in terms of the kind mm. of, you know, political side to things and um, everything that's going on at the moment, it, it does make it quite a quite a fiery, fiery mm. uh, contest. Mm-mm. No, definitely. That's what I did think. If Ukraine get through um, their match against Scotland and then beat Wales, it probably will be the most geopolitically charged group in, uh, in World Cup history with obviously US and Iranian relations, Iran... And also the fact that we're allies with the US and our relations with Iran aren't the best. And and obviously everything that's going on in Ukraine at the moment just means that there's going to be that heightened uh, sensitivity in any game that they play um, in any group. But yeah, going back to the world of football, it's probably nearly the best draw on paper that England could have hoped for. I, I mean, we were sort of watching it watching it in in the office uh, for those who don't know I, I sort of now i'm working in football so part of yesterday was uh was to was to actually watch the draw and and um i think on paper the best draw would have been usa iran ghana in terms of where they were ranked 
in the different pots. Mate, you don't, you don't want to be pedigree. playing Thomas Partey, that's for sure. Well, yeah, you, you don't. I would I would rather <laughs> be playing Scotland than, than Thomas Partey's oh, guard. And you've got so Kieran Tierney for Scotland. Them. You know, I, I want to avoid any any t- any teams I've got Arsenal players in. Well, it's nearly a full, it would nearly be a full Arsenal group. We've not got any Iranian players, but obviously Matt, Matt Taylor, the incoming goalie. Matt Turner, that's it. Matt Turner will be. Matt Taylor used to score the screamers for Portsmouth. Portsmouth and and Bolton. Um, He'll be representing the US, hopefully, with um, with City's Zach Steffen. He had a shaky um, performance the other day, apparently, Zach Stefan in goal. So hopefully Matt Turner will uh, be number one come come the World Cup. I think it's a bit of a fight between those two for, for number one. It would be nice if we had the US men's national team yeah. number one and then the English number one in Aaron Ramsdale, which I think hopefully he will be because, you know, I can't see a championship keeper starting for England next season when Everton go down. And don't forget... <laughs> Don't forget also um, that we have, what's his face? Someone trusty. Isn't he an American defender? Is he a... Trusty, trusty the process. Yeah, exactly. Is he is yes. he a US international? Probably not. I, 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 <laughs> I think he's breaking through. Yeah. Colorado, he's obviously at Colorado Rapids. I don't know if he, he... He might be. I'm not sure about his international pedigree compared to Turner's. And then Party is... a. Is going on old Tierney, I should say, if if Scotland get through, is um is Arsenal and, and Scottish. So we will have a lot of Arsenal representation in that group if um if Scotland make it through. But it's a good draw. It is a good draw. It's one that England really have to progress from. And I, I you know, I do think England are one of the favourites to win to win this this upcoming tournament. You've you've got to look at well, the last major tournament. We were in the final in the Euros last summer, and then we were in the semi-finals at the last World Cup. There are very good nations. Brazil look very strong. France also very strong current holders. Spain are getting their act back together as well. But you look at this England squad and you think of the players that are going to be there and how well they've done over the last three or four years. Mm. And it's it's quite hard to argue why they shouldn't be getting to at least the semi-finals so it will be it'll be interesting um and actually the last international break international breaks as you know are pretty dull i found the last one quite enjoyable um with actually games meaning something i don't know if you watched any of the games yeah it, well i watched bits and pieces um i mean my interest was just a bit more intact because of the fact that there were plenty of Arsenal players around the world mm. playing for their countries, which we can't say has been a uh, sort of common for us over the last few years. Normally, London Colony is, is full to the brim during the international break. So I think mm. testament to the players and like the kind of the good form that they're in. Um, yeah, I, I managed to watch a bit of, of the games. I managed to catch the penalty, penalty shootout between Egypt and Senegal. Um, mm. Thoughts are with Mohamed Elneny at this time, I'm sure. Um, hopefully he's being looked after at Arsenal and and all the rest of it. I watched a bit of the England games. I mean, I was a bit disappointed to see Ramsdale, obviously, and Saka have to drop out through injury and COVID. And then Smith Rowe only got about half an hour in the second game. But he looked good when he came on, I thought. Um, and Ben White played pretty well in both of the games as well. Benjamin. Benjamin White. Benjamin. Benjamin White. Um but I quite like this. Uh, so Arsenal.com have sort of done a, a list of all their potential representations. Mm. And, it, and it's quite funny because they include, for example, Alex Lacazette um, in the France cohort saying, Alex Lacazette could be among the players in Didier Deschamps' squad. And I'm just like, I think you're just listing it for, for getting the numbers up here. Um, Uruguay, our tenacious midfielder Lucas Torreira is set to play. It's like, well, he probably won't be our midfield, our tenacious midfielder at that point. But, you know, the list is there. Um, and Saliba. Ho- yeah, Saliba. And, and hopefully there'll be, you know, the likes of Smith Rowe, perhaps there. Saka's a, you know, nailed on starter for England at this point, I hope. Mm. Um, mm. And then, you know, Martinelli, hopefully going with Brazil. That would be brilliant. Gabriel. Um, but yeah, the World Cup draw 
I think it's a good draw for England. Um, the other groups, Senegal, Netherlands in Group A, that looks quite tasty. Mm. Uh, Argentina, Poland, Mexico in Group C. France and Denmark in Group D. And I thought Group G, Group G looks quite interesting. I think, is it Brazil, Serbia, Ooh. Switzerland and Japan? Cameroon. Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon in Group Cameroon, G. That's it. And yeah, then Japan, that, that Germany, Spain, and one of the playoffs in Group E. Oh, Takahiro's mm. got his work cut out for him. Mm. Um, and then Belgium, Canada. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to see Canada, actually. Morocco, mm. Croatia. Get a, get a good look at Jonathan David. Yeah, and, you know, they've got some good players. And then Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay. I mean, they're not, they're, they're quite tough groups for all the supposed favourites bar England mm. you'd probably say um, I mean France are, are pretty pretty alright Netherlands but yeah. there are some good international teams of course there are um, but yeah let's just have a let's have a little international roundup of, of where all our players have been during the break so you mentioned Kieran Tierney he scored actually for Scotland in one game. He assisted in the other, um, so he's had a very fruitful uh, international break with them. They were just playing friendlies. Nicola Pepe scored a great goal against um, France, and then mm. unfortunately Serge Aurier got sent off against England, so he was hooked. Uh, Pepe was hooked at half time. Erdegaard scored and got a couple of assists um, in another game. Um, I think they won 9-0 or something like that against Armenia. Um, mm. He got, grabbed a couple of assists, apparently ra- orchestrated everything. Um, so he had... He scored, he, I mean, scored a brilliant goal. His goal was great. Brilliant yeah, goal. I remember seeing that. Uh, we mentioned Benjamin White. Very good for him. He was playing at right back and like in the in the sort of right centre-back position in a back, back three, which was obviously a bit interesting for him. But I think he played it at Brighton, so he knew the job quite well. Xhaka played for Switzerland. El Neni, we mentioned Thomas Partey scored the winning goal um, for Ghana as they progressed to the World Cup. Um, he also played the sort of first leg of that game against Nigeria. And then Martinelli had some excellent cameos for Brazil, um, almost scored a sensational goal. Um, there was footage doing the rounds of him in training looking just electric. Um, and that it, it just goes to show how brilliant the kind of the fact that all these Arsenal players are sort of playing for their countries and and scoring and doing well and breaking through and you know obviously Smith Rowe got a, got a, got a game for England and Ramsdale should have been there too Tommy Asu would have been with Japan Bernd Leno ordinarily with with Germany so and not to mention Saliba made his France debut Saliba made his France debut. Guendouzi, technically that. still our player. Uh, obviously not really. But yeah, Saliba. Um, and then even in in in, uh, in the youth, younger um, echelons of, of the club, um, Balogun got mm. three goals, I think, for the under-21s. Looks to have slide, slid in, you know, superbly to that Eddie Nketiah role. <laughs> um, and Marcelo Flores as well, uh, our young Mexican uh, scored a brilliant goal for the Mexican youth side. Got a couple of assists as well. So it's been been a very fruitful, I think, break for for our players. Was there anything else that you wanted to add on that? No, I, I was actually interested to hear. Looking back, a bit at, you know the World Cup stuff. Saka, where where do you rank Saka now? If you were looking at England's attacking options, and you've got to assume Kane's guaranteed to start. And Sterling's pretty high up there. Removing the massive Arsenal bias that we carry with us. If you're looking at Saka, Foden, Sancho, Rashford, Mount, that's that's the five, really, isn't it? Because obviously Greenwood's out of the picture. Where 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 do you put Saka out of those five? Is, is he now the best out of those five players? Mate, to start on that right hand side, he is absolutely like. Oh, I think he would be Gareth Southgate's first choice. Obviously, same, I'm, trying, I'm trying to not let bias do do the talking here, but he's got 14 goal contributions. Um, you know, he's up up there among sort of the second tier of top scorers in the league. His final product's 
you know, really taken off this season. He's brilliant on the ball. He's, he's, you know, he's beyond his years in terms of technical and kind of tactical discipline and positioning. And, you know, we saw how much Gareth Southgate loved him last year when he, he, um, you know, he started some, some really important games. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was first choice come the summer, hoping that no injuries happen and, and all the rest of it, but you know, he'll, he'll be playing plenty of games. Um, but as you say, there are loads of good options. So it will be interesting to see also if, if Smith Rowe sort of keeps his place because, you know, Jaden Sancho was probably quite unlucky to miss out in this squad. Um, and I like the fact that Gareth Southgate stuck with Smith Rowe, even though he hasn't been playing mm. that much. Um, so it would be good for him to to sort of be in and around selection as well. But yeah, trying to not put my bias uh face on which is impossible because we watch Saka week in week out like he is just I'd say he's ahead of all of them to nail down that right hand side 100% imagine a right hand side of him and I don't know whoever plays a right back Reese James or Trent Alexander-Arnold or even Kyle Walker you know that is some serious threat down that side no definitely no it's in- it's interesting I-, I agree with you I do agree with you but there's a lot of competition for places. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Sancho obviously left out, Rashford left out. They've, I mean, Rashford especially has got an uphill battle to kind of reclaim his England spot. It's obviously going quite badly for him at the moment. There are some rumours that Arsenal are interested in him, but I'm not really sure how far those will run. Um just because of his potential price and status as a Manchester United player. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned William Saliba there as well. Um, it's obviously easy to forget that he is an Arsenal player. He, James McNicholas did a piece in The Athletic recently. Uh, I don't know if you read it, where he went to go and watch uh, Saliba in Marseille. And he said that you know, there were some parts of his game that were excellent, some not so good, you know, kind of, uh, um, that's what comes with a young player playing at centre-back. What do you think? Do you think he's going to come back? Because I think Edu is is meant to be discussing his future with Saliba's representatives over the next month or so. Uh, apparently there's a new contract in, in the air, but it all depends on what they, what they, what's said in that meeting, I suppose. I think it's it's a difficult one because I know a lot of people like I know James McNicholas isn't very optimistic um, regarding Saliba actually playing for our first team beyond the preseason friendly or something next season. I, I I'm slightly more optimistic. I do think that he will play. He's made it very clear in what he said that he doesn't want a bit part role. He wants the challenge to be a starter. He doesn't want to be with the 23s, obviously, and I don't think he ever would be. I think we'll we'll be in European football next season and we're going to need a squad and we're going to have to rotate centre-backs akin to how City rotate with Diaz and Laporte and Stones. Um, and Saliba, it looks like an unbelievable defender and he's still you know he's just turned 21 so these loan deals are clearly working if we were to sell him it would have to be I think for at least double what we bought him for at this stage while he's got that length of time on his contract um and Marseille won't pay that Marseille can't afford to pay 50 60 million so then it's where where's he gonna go I think got a time down to new contract and we've got to integrate him into the Arsenal first team. So he really feels like part of it. You don't mm. want to mess up what Gabriel and White are, are sort of building. And part of me worries, has Saliba been poisoned, for want of a better word, by Gwendouzi? Obviously, Gwendouzi doesn't have the best relationship with Arteta or the club over the last 12 months. So, got to be wary of that. But He's a pro. He wants to succeed. He's um, he's broken through to the French team, and I don't see why he can't continue to maintain a place with the World Cup coming up. 
he'll he'll get games at Arsenal. It's undoubtedly true. Mm. He'll get games, whether it's group stage games in a European competition or it's being rotated in and out of the Premier League squad. He'll play. It's, it's just whether we can convince him to sign a new contract, and it's something we should we should be able to do. But yeah, a lot rests on this meeting. Yeah, I mean, just as you're saying that, I think he will have serious ambitions of playing for France now and making that that mm. uh, World Cup squad. And I'm sure Didier Deschamps will say to him, "You need to be playing." Look, he won't be playing probably as much as he is for Marseille if he were to come back to Arsenal. But if we are, it's a really tough one because he will think, why would I leave Marseille at the moment? I've got my international call up while I've been here. I'm getting brilliant plaudits. I'm playing every single game. I'm in the Europa League. They're trying to qualify for the Champions League. Or sorry, they're in the Conference League, aren't they? Um, And, you know, there's some serious kind of responsibility on his shoulders. And then he comes back to Arsenal and then, He's kind of the third centre-back. It all depends also on where Arsenal are going to be next season. If we finish in the Champions League places, he'll need he'll be needed, especially in that early season period when there's plenty of cup games, mm. um, you know, the Carabao Cup, European games, as well as Premier League. If we're in the Europa League, plenty of games. So like you say, there will be lots of games for him. And it's an opportunity for him to kind of, it depends how attractive Arsenal still remains. Uh, as a prospect in his mind, you know, if he sees this team and he sees, I want to be part of this, like I can, I can break in and and form a partnership with one of those centre backs, or you know, I will take my chance when I when it comes, and you know, I can be here for the next ten years or or whatever. Like, it's all on the table, but I think it all depends on how the player sort of views it. And I, the impression I get is that he is going to be pretty adamant about what he wants having had a whole season of playing first team football um and arsenal i think won't be you know won't go out of their way to kind of have him stay on um because they know that they'll be able to get a fee and i would imagine i agree with you that it should be double what we paid but i would still think that arsenal would probably be happy parting ways with what they paid for him to be honest what do you reckon on on that no, well, yes and no. I, I I think one of the things Arsenal have done incredibly badly and really one of the things that hasn't improved um, since Sanelli left is our ability to sell players for, for what they're worth. I know we got you know, a very good fee for Joe Willock now, um, mm. 25 million. But we've got to start getting market value for players when they leave. We're now making good acquisitions or we have made good acquisitions over the last 12 to 18 months, bringing players in. But if Saliba goes, we need to replace him and we need to replace him for someone who's as good as him or nearly as good, right? Because Mary, I don't see hanging around. Rob Holding might look to leave because he's clearly good enough to be starting at Premier League level, albeit Mm. not in the top six, but he is good enough to be starting for a Newcastle or a Southampton or an Everton or whoever. So then if you're accepting 30 million for Saliba, well, how much of that then has to go on his replacement? Probably all of it, maybe the majority. Mm. And fundamentally, he's worth more now as a 21-year-old, having played two full seasons in French football, having made his international debut for the French national team, than he was when we bought him. So mm. it will be a failure if we don't if we sell him and we don't get north of, I think, 50 million for him because mm. that's what his current form and reputation and potential is is worth in today's market. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Yeah, uh, when when you put it like that, it's 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 absolutely true. Um, and I hope that Arsenal will be kind of cutthroat in their assessment of him and to say, look, if it doesn't work out and clearly he isn't happy with what Arsenal are proposing and if Arsenal are happy to kind of say goodbye to him, they shouldn't make, make it an easy deal for you know, Marseille to complete or for anyone else to complete, like we have done for so many other players and clubs 
I know those are different circumstances. We they haven't been sort of, you know, young players. I mean, in a way, Guendouzi, I'm sure if we had been pretty ruthless about it, we wouldn't have said, oh, well, you can pay 10 million after a season. I know that was during a COVID mm. kind of pandemic market, but I mean, that's ridiculous. You should be demanding something, you know, triple triple that or something like that. He's, a mm. again, a, a, an under-21 full France international now who plays Europa League and week in, week out in the French League. So I just... Yeah, I don't know. I really, what I'd like to see as an Arsenal fan is Arsenal in European football next year and Saliba, who has integrated back into the team and is that kind of, you know, that, you know, another centre-back option. Um, and we sell him the project. Um, and I think that will be the key as well, because it depends on how much we want to sell it to him and also how much kind of damage has already been done in terms of, you know, his his feelings towards the club and how we've kind of treated him because really it's been a bit of a shambles. I know we've made some good decisions along the way. Like this loan, I think was a great move for him mm. personally, and hopefully he'll recognise that. But you know, it's not been managed. He's kind of been a victim of the the kind of colossal change behind the scenes over the last few years. So hopefully, he still wants to come and play with you know this young team and, and be part of it. And why wouldn't you? You know, if we're <laughs> If we're like you say, if we sell him, we're going to have to replace him probably, and we'll be looking for someone like Saliba. So it's kind of like, well, why don't you try and keep him? I think it also depends on his attitude and kind of whether he's, you know, the good egg that Arteta is after, um, because he won't want someone who, you know, is like you say, kind of akin to Gwendozi or or can moan and strop to the press when he's not playing and all the rest of it. And it does seem like. There might be a bit of that in him. Um, I don't know. So, look, very interesting situation, and, and we'll see how it how it turns out. But I think we'll know probably over the next month or so. Um, let's move on then to kind of it's a nice little round robin of of catching up on all these little little strands of Arsenal news. So, Mikel Arteta was named manager of the month. Um, for the second time this season. Pipping Jurgen Klopp to the award, I think, this time out. Uh, only him and Pep Guardiola have won it twice this season. Um, there was a bit of a social media frenzy about it yesterday. Um, but look, very happy for him. Whether it's deserved or not, I don't care. Um, he had a very good month, mainly for Arsenal. And it's great to see him kind of really... Uh, receiving the plaudits for his work um, and the kind of appreciation from the fans as well, which we saw at the end of the Villa game with the kind of song that was being chanted. And I think the feeling around the club, especially towards Arteta, has really turned over the last few few weeks and month or so because, you know, I've always been, probably like you as well, I think, very much a fervent supporter of his work and his position. But... We're not, we were probably not in the majority for a long time. Mm. No, I, I agree. I think, I don't know whether it's, I think it's a mixture of what's gone on off the field and on the field that's really led to Arteta now being unanimously supported by the fan base. But it, it, it's clear that we're progressing. And I think at that point, you know, you can't really argue. I mean, and I put out a, tweet after we beat Villa and it just was sort of our 2020 results against I think it was Villa, Leicester Burnley mm. and Wolves and Wolves exactly and I, I sort of said look we took four points out of those games last season home and away and we've taken I think 22, 21, 22 points this season Brilliant. And look, whether we finished fourth, fifth or sixth this season that is clear, clear progress that's banked, that's in the bag. Those results have happened. That's that's the progress we needed, we had to be making under Arteta, starting to beat the teams that, quote-unquote, we should be beating yeah. um, and regaining some of that dominance and making lesser, again, quote-unquote, lesser opposition um, afraid to, to come to the Emirates and play us or... Or, or know that they're not going to get an easy game when they play against Arsenal. The the whole narrative around fourth, which is a, probably a conversation for another day and maybe closer towards the end of the season, is one that is interesting because we were never 
for talking about finishing in the top four in August or September. And there is part of me that understands you do have to adjust your expectations as the season progresses. But another part of me just thinks, let's just be happy that we're here for now. We're, we're actually ahead of schedule. Mm. It was it was next season that the club were targeting breaking back into the Champions League. This season was about breaking back into the Europa League. It was about finishing in the top six. It was about having a bit of... Um, bit of sort of closing the gap some strength yeah closing the yeah closing the gap exactly uh, and regaining some face from because we lost a lot of it having consecutive eighth place finishes but we're now very firmly in the race for fourth and and some people would even say we're favorites i don't think we are favorites but let's not let the positivity around the club sort of go back on itself if we don't finish fourth if we start to drop away it's a very young squad with lots of potential let's just recognize that there has been progress and Arteta as you say is the only other manager other than Guardiola who's the best manager in the world to have won most ball manager of the month awards this season he's doing something right he's getting he's getting a tune out of the squad let's just be happy that we're here um and not bemoan where, where we end up, assuming that we're going to end up within the top five or six places. Definitely. And I think it's really important as fans like to, to try and differentiate between levels of kind of, uh, I don't know, ex- expectation and, and mm. what constitutes success. Because on the one hand, every single Arsenal fan will be devastated <laughs> we lose out on the Champions League spots to Spurs, for example, or even United mm. when we were in it. That's kind of the narrative here and now. But that, if that happens, that does not necessarily undo all the good that has led us to this point. And it's really important to d- distinguish between those two levels of kind of how you can quantify success. And I know some people won't have time for that, but I think we are seeing how fruitful it can be to sort of regroup and and really focus on on the on the i and the we as opposed to concerning ourselves with what's going on outside and how spurs are doing and you know united mm. and trying to keep up with all of them we we're, we're on our own path and uh and it's going pretty well and hopefully it will continue um and also on that if if we don't finish fourth let's not rip up this project let's not criticize what we've done because if we no don't way. finish fourth it will be by a matter of points i would guess somewhere between you know it could be goal difference but i don't think it'll be that close but it'll be somewhere between sort of one to four points i would imagine it's very clear that this is a long-term project that's going to take us probably until 2025 2026 to really hit its peak maybe 2024 25 season uh at that point saka smith and martinelli they'll all be 24 so exciting to think that they are so yeah (laughs) exactly there's there's so much more to come and we're punching above our weight this season with a very young very inexperienced squad with a few old heads with party and with jacker and lacquer leading leading it they're they're the dads of of the squad but you know, let's just, I just think let's just be, you know, not be grateful because yeah, we, we do, we're Arsenal and we should be where we are. So it's not about being grateful, but let's just recognise what's been done and the progress that's been made and not call for anything drastic like Arteta's head uh, on a spike if for whatever reason we fall apart over the next yeah. um, 10 games. And I, or- and I don't particularly think we will but there is a possibility and we need to be um we need to recognize that possibility or if your gary neville thinks that if we do finish in the top four then arteta should walk away because what else can he do with the squad i mean it is just what an idiot he is i've always had time for gary neville but he is kind of very kind of vividly falling away in front of my, my and everyone else's eyes in terms of the quality of what he says and his punditry and mm. his kind of throwaway statements and and sameness of what he says. And mm. it's it's becoming clear that he's kind of another one of these out of date, out of touch kind of presences on on our on our screens and on our on our sort of in charge of give it 
saying words on the game and uh, yeah ridiculous but yeah as you say tie the tie the kind of excitement and faith to the team and what they do and if they achieve champions league then great we'll all celebrate big time but if they don't then we can still celebrate a bit quieter that this has been a good season and we've seen some really positive signs and you know all the metrics point towards us being closer to city and liverpool than you know we have been for a long time um we're we're playing with such a young team there's still two huge if not more positions that need to be filled with top class additions which we all are fully aware of um you know we've got a striker who doesn't score goals i know he does a lot more but like you know that is such a huge part of the team we've got um you know a, a kind of granite jacker we've got a granite jacker in our team and that in itself is not you can't be a top team in the premier league like that um mm you know, at the very top. And, you know, as you say, these young players are, I mean, it's just every time I think about it, I don't think about it enough. I just get a bit giddy because they're so young and they're still so good. And they're already like among the best and most dangerous and prolific and exciting players in the league. And they're only 20, 21, you know, 22. So mm. exciting. But in other news, um, so speaking of sort of doing well and scoring goals, Arsenal walloped the Brentford B team uh, in a 4-1 pre-season friendly. Uh, Lacazette got a hat-trick and can't remember who scored the other goal. I think it was Rob Holding. Rob Holding got the other goal, that's right. Um, so that's good to see that we're sort of, you know, these youngsters as well, are, are, you know, the likes of Miguel Aziz and Charlie Patino were playing and some of the players who haven't played many minutes good to get everyone kind of on board and, and geared up for the, the final stretch of the season. Mm, definitely. No, promising. Look, it's Brentford B. We, we, even with the, the team we put out, I think I've got the lineup somewhere. It was it was a game that we really, you know, obviously, you just want to come away with it with a positive result. Really good that Lacka scored a few goals. I think this was the team. Leno, Swanson, Holding... Ugongbo, I don't know who that is. Tavares, Aziz Patino, Saj Jr., Ibrahim, Enketia, Lacazette, Okwonko, Lino Souza, Dezei, Bandera, Butler, Oyadeji, Mike, Mika Birith, and Idaho. Um, young team, man. Young so team. Very, very young, obviously, because the majority of our players are, were on international duty. But I think the best thing that could have come out of that game is like Lacazette scoring a hat trick, mm. getting a bit of shooting practice in a in a game like scenario. Um, good for players like um, Patino, Aziz to have continued involvement. Swanson as well, who's been on the bench for a few games this season, get keep them with the first team, keep that that sort of connection strong because you don't want it to sort of ebb away during an international break while maybe there's not as many people at Colney. Yeah. It was, it was, a, yeah, it was, an, it, it, we didn't know that the game was happening until after the game took place. And I think Brentford actually put out a tweet first and then Arsenal followed suit, but it was, it, it was what we needed during an international break. Just keep, keep the legs fresh. And hopefully, look, if Lacazette scores a few of those goals, like I know he got a penalty recently and look, he's not been scoring, but he has been contributing massively. But it would also be brilliant to see him kind of rediscover that kind of killer. I mean, he's never, he did have it, but that kind of craving for for, for scoring goals. Um, and look, if he, he's going to need to chip in with a few goals over the, over the final stretch of the season. Um, mm. And I really hope he's ready for it and he, he can find that kind of extra level to his game. That's, again, being maybe a bit optimistic. But I do feel like he's, he's not far away from just getting one from open play or something. And then, you know, a few more might, might, might roll, it, roll in as well. Um, we, that would be very, very welcome. Like he scored in the uh, in the return game against Crystal Palace. Um, obviously, we got Palace at on Monday evening. Uh, we we drew two two uh, in the home game. It was, I think we played all right in some of the game. I think uh, it was the it was the horrendous James MacArthur potential leg breaker on Saka, which he didn't get sent off for, and then Saka went off at half time. 
Did he even get a booking? I think he might have got a yellow card. He got a booking. I mean, disgraceful. Uh, that was resurfacing on social media recently. And then Lacazette got a very, very late equaliser. Um, big celebrations. Two points dropped, but in the in the scheme of things, you know, to not lose that day was very important. This is a case of, in my head, kind of putting earlier season wrongs right. Um, Palace are a good t- side, but like you say, are, are a side that we should be looking to beat. Um, they're very good under Patrick Vieira, which adds another weird kind of quite fun dynamic to the to the occasion as well. Um, we won there last year, as you said. We, I don't know, I think we do all right at Selhurst Park for the most part. I can remember a few red cards there recently, like Aubameyang got sent off. Uh, maybe someone else as well. But look, we should be winning the game, but they are a strong side. Um, what are you What are you thinking um, in terms of, of Monday's game? I, I think it'll be really difficult. I think, look, they've come out of the international break with both Michael Elise and Wilfred Zaha picking up. I think, I think in Zaha's case, it is a, it's a proper, well, said it was a, a stage two or something hamstring injury. Um, mm. And Elise, I think, is a knock. If they're both out, I start to feel a lot more confident about our chances of sort of being proactive and aggressive and playing on the front foot because it's a, it's a very different Palace team to the one under Hodgson that we faced for many years. And they mm. always gave us a test under Hodgson. I know we won 3-1 away at Palace last season, but that was, I think, the penultimate game of the season or something. And we were, yeah, the, everyone was on the beach. There was nothing to play for for Palace or really for us, uh, but our pride. And um, and this is different. Uh, they're, 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 they're really organised. They're a strong unit. They've got good players now in basically all positions. They've got two very good centre-backs who are calm on the ball, they're confident, mm. they'll play passes into midfield, they'll they'll keep the ball just sort of rotating around the back. They've got Conor Gallagher in midfield, who is in England international. Is an I, would, I would love to, I mean, I don't see it happening. I would love him as that kind of left eight position. I think he'd be oh, sensational for us. Definitely. He, he would be right up there with one of the, the probably the best players we could we could grab. He's, he, I mean, it's funny because he was at West Brom. He didn't really do much, um, did he? Last season. And and he was very quiet. And I remember when we played West Brom. Do you remember just after we beat Chelsea? We played West Brom. I think it was New Year's Day or, or the 2nd of January. We won. Was it 4-0, 4-1? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. T- when, when Tierney scored. There yeah, and in the we snow. That really nice goal in the snow. And I remember the commentary. I can't remember who was commentating, but they sort of made a comparison between... Conor Gallagher and Smith Rowe just said these are the two players they played in the same age group at England under 17 and under 20 level let's yeah. see who comes out on top and and Smith Rowe quite clearly came out on top in that game and has consistently sort of come out on top over the last year and a, and a quarter since since January 2021 but the way Gallagher's almost reinvented himself at, at Palace and has just now reached the level that Smith Rowe is at and arguably that Saka is at, maybe not quite Saka's level, but definitely Smith Rowe's this season has been really incredible to watch. And he's he's a fantastic footballer, very, very young. I think with the problems going on at Chelsea right now, you would have to... Um, you would hey, have I, t- to I take, uh, I take he's, Gallagher he's, and he's Broja. Up, he's up there. Yeah, and Livramento. Yeah, I'll I'll take, t- let's take three. all three. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I agree with you and, and it will hopefully has a quiet day against us. Um, speaking mm. of that game, because I know we're, we're running short on time. Um, Akai Saka probably good to recover from his, from his bout of COVID. I expect him to start mm. Ramsdale. I think Leno will probably be in goal. Um, just mm. judging on the, the comments and the kind of way that he, Arteta, Talks about his his ongoing issue. Don't think it'll be too long before we see him back, though. And then Tommy Asu, um, supposedly rejoining a few training sessions this week. I still think that Cedric will play because uh, I don't think he'd chuck Tommy Asu in straight away. I think he'd rather re- reintroduce him from the bench. Um, I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree. I think, look, that Cedric's also been on very good form as I, yeah. I, as I quite like to reference <laughs> and make sure people don't feel as sort of my cult, cult hero this season is Cedric. Um, and with the doubts over Zaha and Elise, who are obviously two of their wide forwards, um, along with Eze, and it looks like Mateta's now sort of the first choice striker at, at Palace, although they do have Ben Teke and Odison Edward, who I quite like. Um, their, their threat is, is, is stunted. Uh, I think if, if you just, just on that, Zaha. just on that quickly, I think Vieira was, I, I listened to his press conference and whilst they're both doubts, he was very much saying that they're, they're not ruled out yet. So I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see one or both. Probably I, I, I expect Zaha to start against Arsenal. Um, but I think they'll both be in the squad, honestly. Um, yeah. Well, I, I hope not because Zaha always has yeah, a good same. game against us. <laughs> yeah, and and, and the idea of Zaha against forget- Cedric is slightly more frightening than Zaha against Tommy Asu. Yeah, I think Zaha would really relish that opportunity. He'd really want to kind of, you know, not metaphorically kill uh, Cedric. He'd really be up for it. A um, mm-hmm. couple more things um, to to whack through before we finish up for today. Um, quick word on the ladies. Unfortunately, got knocked out by Wolfsburg in the Champions League quarterfinal. I managed to watch the first leg Um and watch for bits of the second leg. But I think Wolfsburg were just a lot better. Um, did you have anything to mention about that? Yeah, no, I missed the first leg, but I, I watched nearly the whole game in the second leg. I missed the missed the first 10 minutes. I think I switched on just after Wolfsburg went 1-0 up. I, they they just killed us, you know. They, they pressed really high in the first half and Arsenal couldn't string together more than a few passes. They couldn't get any momentum. And when they did, I thought, for instance, um, Kim Little was very impressive, breaking out of midfield, had a very good game, and she was just often found herself fouled or or passing options were were like cut off, and um, and yeah, the second half we came out with a good intent in the second half, and you know started to create chances, but then. An own goal at really the worst possible time. It killed the tie. Fair play to mm. Wolfsburg. They're in, they're a very very well drilled outfit. They also have individual talent as well. Um, and so, look, I don't see them getting past Barcelona in in the in the semi final. But is that who they've drawn? Yeah, that that's who uh, they've got. <laughs> well, Arsenal, so I don't I think, think we would have gotten past them anyway. But it was no. um, it, it's good for the for the women though to progress to the quarterfinals of of the Champions League. And long may long may it continue. They're they're in for quite a nervy end of the season now with Chelsea having eclipsed them to go top of the the WSL by a point. I think. The, it's now in Chelsea's hands and they're, they're very experienced under Emma Hayes. They've got a very, very good, good side. So it will be, it will be an interesting um, title race. I think there's only four or five games left in, in the women's season. So we'll have one eye on that. But, yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, it's good to see that people, you know, the, the interest in, in these Champions League games during, you know, the Premier League's hiatus, was. Did you see El Clasico? No, I didn't see it, but I saw I saw um, you know, the kind of the the, the Camp Nou absolutely packed to the brim. Um 91,000. Yeah, ridiculous and, and and brilliant and so good. Yeah. Um and so I'm I'm kind of very yeah, I feel I feel a bit more engaged in the game um and you know, previously I haven't been for for you know, that's my own fault, but it looks as if it's really kind of kind of infiltrating into into the wider sphere of football so I think that's a really good thing mm. and I'm enjoying it as well um, watching Arsenal in the Champions League great haven't had that for a while um, mm. and it was at the Emirates in the first leg so that was that was fun too um, let's whack through a couple more things Patrick Vieira uh, speaking of uh, Crystal Palace jumping back a bit he was inducted to the Premier League Hall of Fame uh, mm. during the break He's the third Arsenal player to to have done so after after um, Thierry Henry and Dennis Burkamp. I mean, it was obvious that that was going to happen, and 
you know, I don't take too much interest in the kind of Premier League Hall of Fame, but it's good to see Arsenal players up up there. Um, who would you who would you suppose might follow him in terms of former Arsenal players? It will probably be Ashley Cole. I vote. Have you voted? I voted. Um, I actually don't think I have. Day. Yeah. I voted and you can vote for, there's there's a list of, I think it's about 20 players and you can vote for six players and the six I voted for were just all six players with some sort of Arsenal connection. So I think I did Ian Wright, Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole, Van Persie, Petr Cech and um, I can't remember who the sixth person was, but someone, strong, oh, Tony Adams, Tony Adams. Yeah. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that, that would give the um, big tone. So I just was like, right, all of my votes have to go to someone who's who's at least played for Arsenal. Even if, if Petr Cech gets into the Hall of Fame, is that an Arsenal player? I guess he is. He won a Golden Glove while playing uh, in the Premier League for Arsenal. So, yeah. you know, we, 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 have, we, we can send out a tweet and be proud of that to an extent. But it will be, it will be very surprised if it's not one of Ashley Cole or, or, or Tony Adams because mm. Tony Adams is is one of the great Premier League centre backs. Sol Campbell may follow soon after. Was Robert Perez uh, on that list? No Perez, no Lundberg, which I thought was interesting. No Fabregas either. Maybe mm. they'll come. In they'll due come. Course. Maybe in due course. Yeah, but but nice to see a, a good array of Arsenal affiliated and former players on there. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know who will be next, but I'll definitely give that thing a vote. Um, Wow, just got got so many little little sound bites that happened during the during the international break. Uh, Arsenal's kits for next season were leaked. Don't know if you've seen them. Thoughts? They're all right. I think I saw people going crazy for them on Twitter. I think yeah. kits are kits. I, I I love the videos, the adverts that go with them. I'm a sucker for for that sort of content. Arsenal are very good at doing but, that, aren't they? Yeah. I, what, is it Arsenal or is it Adidas or the yeah, combination ad, of ad agency they work with? It's I think yeah, there's a few um, players in that. I I never really buy. I haven't bought an Arsenal kit for quite a while. I think I bought the first Adidas one. Um, yeah, and then I and then I, I I won a kit last season in the oh, Arsenal yeah, Fantasy Football League, which I gave to my dad, um, which was the await this season's away kit, which I actually really like. Because it's got a different crest on it to, to our usual crest. It's just got. Wait, is our wake at the yellow one this season? Yeah. yeah. Which you can vote. Have you voted on socios? What what kit we're going to play? You can a bit of fan engagement whether we play in our wake kit or the third kit against I believe against Palace on Monday. You can you can choose if you oh, sign wow. up to socios. Not that I'm overly advocating socios this isn't a promotion but i just noticed that was being pushed on arsenal social media yeah 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 all right i'll, I'll have a look um yeah i don't mind the home kit um right a couple more things that's like early morning saturday to-do list i love it mm. so we talked about saliba uh there are talks that i mean the stories broke mainly from the sun so or on the Daily Mirror, but you know there might be some substance to it. That there was a new contract on the table for Bukayo Saka, hundred twenty-five thousand pounds a week was being floated around. Um, those talks will probably happen, start happening soon, and towards the end of the season. I don't really have any worry about them. I think he'll sign a new deal, but it's it's encouraging to hear that him. And I also heard that Gabriel was maybe in line for a new contract as well. Um, so. <clears throat> In terms of tying down our players' futures, um, you know, Kieran Tierney is supposedly getting interest from Real Madrid and Barcelona, but he's kind of called those rumours as well. So any words on on sort of, you know, I guess, you know, Arsenal players are, are, are valuable at the moment. We need to tie them down to contracts and, and repel interest from the best teams in the world. I think that's what we want, isn't it? I think, yeah, it's, it's promising that our players are being linked with with these clubs um, on the, it's been a while since we've had, obviously Aubameyang went to Barcelona. That was a different sort of transfer. Um, it, it, it's promising when your players are being linked with the best clubs in the world. And, and this is when we have to sort of eat, 
you know a slice of humble pie and 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 admit that we're not in that elite level of the world's top five or six clubs anymore we're not a city or liverpool or a psg Bayern, real madrid barcelona and those six clubs i still think can really do have the ability to pick and choose any player in the world within reason maybe liverpool slightly lesser due to their financial power but it's good. It shows that our players are playing well. I think Tierney came out and just said, I see my long-term future at Arsenal. Mm. And um, and on the contract side, Saka's... I worry if Saka's contract, if it's 125 grand a week, you know, there, there leaves a lot of room there for a club to come in and be like, right, here's 300. And it's sort of a no-brainer at that point just to go and join the club offering you 300 or two for 150. Um should we really push the boat out and just say, look, we're going to invest in you. We're going to give you an Aubameyang-esque contract, but the risk is minimal because he's younger and we tie him down then on a five-year deal rather than a three-year deal. And that's it. He's our player till he's 26, 27, and he has his peak with us. And, I and think, yeah. we go from there. I think if you're in charge of contracts, uh, Richard Garlick and Edu and whoever... You sit down with Saka, and you you obviously understand how happy he is and how much he wants to play for Arsenal. And I think you 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 try and use that in a way that means that you can explain why maybe giving him a three hundred thousand pound a week contract straight away right now may not be the best idea for both the club and for him. You know, if you can, mm. if, if he's so committed to the club, and and you know, he will have certain demands, I'm sure, but hopefully they won't be pushing the boat out to that kind of extent and then you have room for like the next contract or you know how things are going in a few years and and then you know there's certain promises or or insurances of of boosting that that wage so i would like to think that there wouldn't be too many issues but again like you say other clubs will be sniffing around but i think fortunately for us there's no kind of real chance of of him jumping ship or or being tempted by any other interest. So we we have a stronger hand in terms of negotiating. Uh, we don't have to just offer him loads of money for him to stay. I think he wants to stay, and we should reward him for that. Um, which sure, coming at it from sure. No, I I see that, but I I also see the Kane situation, which played out very publicly last summer, and really was his own fault for not for signing such a long contract with Spurs with no release clause and with no um or any get out clauses really during his peak years and that played out while he was on England duty with Saka and a lot of other young England players mm. and there and that that might have sort of made them slightly more commercially savvy just to realize look this is Kane came through the Spurs system famously you know he's one of their own and actually publicly said, I want to leave Spurs and relations really deteriorated. But because of the contract he signed, he was made to stick to it. And Levy held strong despite Man City bidding 120 million plus for him. They didn't, they didn't accept it. And actually Kane's got no one else to blame for the fact that he wasn't able to join Man City and probably won't win a Premier League in his career mm. other than himself mm. and Saka, you know, could have been made, you know, that, that situation could have just, you know, woken Saka up a bit and been like, look, this is a club. He's at Arsenal's one of our own and he's come through the Academy. But at some point you've also got to look out for your own personal interests, your own personal aspirations in the game. Mm. Does he think he can win major trophies with Arsenal? I'd like to hope so. I'd like to think we will over the next four or five years. But you know, and that's that's what the contract should. Career. That's what the contract should reflect. And I think there'll be a discussion as to you know those will be the next few years, and then after that you you reevaluate and stuff. Mm. But I'm hoping that that will be a, a fruitful kind of contract extension. But look. I think we've we've gone through plenty there um, and and rounded up very well what's happening in the Arsenal world and footballing world. 
Crystal Palace awaits. Then we've got Brighton and Southampton away before Chelsea, United and West Ham. So they're coming thick and fast and we we really need to pick up some points, I think, in these first three. So Hmm. hopefully all goes well against Crystal Palace. And I'll be watching and I'm sure you'll be watching and we'll be hopefully cheering, cheering on, well, we'll be cheering the team on together. Absolutely. Look, Johnny, thank you very much for for joining us today. And we will speak to you. Uh, I don't know when, because it's it's crunch time on the old dissertation and exams and stuff. So I'd like to think maybe in a few weeks uh, we'll, mm. we'll be able to schedule a, a little podcast in. But yeah, it's been great to catch up with you today. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me as always. Great to sort of talk things through and a lot to catch up on as, as we found out. Definitely. Well, look, we'll leave it there today. Uh, as always, you can you can find every episode of That Sums It All Up via Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow me on Twitter, uh, at That Sums It All Up, on Instagram as well, That Sums It All Up pod. And all shows are now available on Amazon Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts too, and Mixcloud. So you can find them everywhere. Um, until next time, take it easy, everyone, and goodbye. Goodbye.